Welcome to the Sports the Show. I'm DJ Pat Nasty, and I'm here with Tiny and Dr. Jim. And we also have with us, as always, Malcolm Marzette. Always Malcolm. good to hear you, Malcolm. Uh, today on the Sports the Show, we are going to go into a realm that we normally don't dive into as often. We're going to talk a lot about college sports, but particularly college football in this episode. And our resident college sports expert, uh, Jim Lomar, Dr. Jim, is going to tell us uh, all about the situation right now in the college football landscape. We're going to dive into a couple of different topics on the subject. Uh, But, you know, college football has not been immune to the coronavirus by any uh, stretch of the imagination. And we are rapidly approaching the regular starting date for college football. So we are all very on edge to see what's going to actually happen. But Dr. Jim, uh, go ahead and let us know what's going on with college football and uh, take us down this road of just kind of insanity in the world of college uh, NCAA football right now. I think that this uh, coming up season has really exposed the major fissures uh, within the sport, um, both in terms of the administration of the sport at the conference level and at NCAA level, where all the money is being funneled up to, um, and then the players, the labor that is being left behind. Um, furthermore, it's also exposing fissures between, you know, these major Power Five conferences, including the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, over and against, um, you know, lesser foes, uh, so to speak. You know, like the Sun Belt, um, the American Athletic uh, Conference, which offer up, like you know, no less of a fun spectacle of college football, and in some ways, much more fun. But um, I think that what this has really uh, shown us is that the NCAA, for all of its its attempts at trying to like control and you know set down these are the rules and these are the the stipulations if you want to compete with an NCAA college football, is that this pandemic has really shown that the conferences themselves, especially the Power Five, hold much more power of the sport than some sort of centralized office in Indianapolis. So, for instance, mm-hmm. the first conference to sort of break away and say, no, we're going to, you know, follow our own, our own narrative this, this season was the big 10. And so the big 10 mm-hmm. is only going to play a in-conference schedule after that, then the, you know, the ACC, uh, which, you know, includes uh, Clemson, one of our major powerhouses, the ACC said they were only going to play a 10 game schedule and they were going to open up a week 11 game to play out of, uh, out of the conference. Um, following after that was the SEC, you know, arguably the uh, most powerful conference mm-hmm. in among the big five and said, you know, they said that they were only going to, you know, play a 10 game in conference schedule, no out of conference games whatsoever. Um, and then after that, the big 12 and the Pac 12 who always are kind of the odd man out when oh, it yeah. comes to yeah. this new age of college football, you know, especially since 2014, 2015, when the college football playoff got in, you know, installed mm-hmm. is that the Pac 12 especially uh, has always been the odd man out, you know, is that they have never provided, um, well, once they provided a top four team to get to the college football playoff, but that, you know, in terms of trying to play a conference only 
schedule in the eyes of the NCAA's arcane magical computers, <laughs> the Pac-12, you know, whoever is the top of their conference does not rank among the top of the conferences with the SEC and the Big mm-hmm. Ten and even, you know, uh, among the Big 12. Um, so what really has happened here is that there's been a major power grab on the part of the major po- uh, power five conferences. Um, and so that they are in a way ripping away the sport from mm-hmm. lesser schools like, say, the, you know, the Citadel uh, here or even um, uh, one example I can give you is like Georgia, uh, Georgia State, uh, yep. which is based in, 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 in Atlanta. They're demanding one point three million dollars from Alabama this season because Alabama canceled their what's called a buy game. Uh, Con- yeah. Yeah. State. Yeah. <laughs> is that, you know, they were yeah. going to pay Georgia State one point three million dollars to beat the shit out of Georgia mm-hmm. State. In Seventy August, point blows. Yeah. You know, and so um, so all of these power major power structures and financial power structures have really been exposed, um, you know, even in, within the last 10 days. This is all happened very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I guess I'm you know, I know that, like, you know, you all have kind of a, a casual interest in the sport, mm-hmm. uh, but that like, you know, how, you know, ethically or economically, um, you know, challenging <laughs> is a time like this. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, I know you are sorry you are Arizona uh, correspondent at the moment but you followed Pac-12 sports as long as I've known you so you always have a great uh, interest in kind of the oddball out guy Uh, so I think you would be uh, well equipped to really kind of start us off in this response to Jim's opening remarks absolutely Um, I, I, I like what initially what the Pac-12 was doing, they said they were going to just follow suit as to what SEC was doing in other conferences. But you're starting to see is just that lack of um, just one individualized leader or commissioner to answer to to disseminate all information to everybody so that they can follow suit. You see that with the NBA. So I could see college football possibly trying to take something from what they see in the NBA as far as the bubble or one centralized location and doing a tournament. Mm-hmm. But um, the pay to play games as um, Jim was talking about as well like uh, that you said with uh, George, you said uh, Georgia State yeah. correct um, you know we we also have those pay to play games too as the, in the Pac-12 and when you violate those contracts um, you know you don't want to take it to court where you have to be uh, forced to pay um, I, I do find it confusing because no everybody or every conference has their own strategy mm-hmm. and I don't know how the computer or that archaic computer system <laughs> that ranks everybody if, if teams play certain teams and other teams don't um i don't know how you're going to rank these people if they want to have a playoff which we'll get into later but i, mm-hmm. I definitely want to hear what tiny has to say especially uh, in the acc with maryland you know because that was our that was our home man you know? well they're in the they're in the big 10 now oh. malcolm never oh, forget big 10? we are in the big 10 now and we and we did it because of football not because of basketball we yeah. we were looking at that big uh, money on the big 10 network channel um and that's the other thing when you talk about money um which is obviously going to be part of a sport that the players don't even really get paid in which is crazy so 
so these conferences, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll touch on a few things you guys said. Our conferences, like, um, kind of like, you know, now that they're playing each other, it affects mm-hmm. the rankings and the big five are lucky where the big 10 network, the SEC network, they have, uh, they have this TV deal. So the money's yep. still there, but, but yeah, I feel really bad about these teams like the Citadel or, you know, every, every big school almost plays one team a year where they pay them. So now mm-hmm. that money that they were going to get trickles down to affecting scholarships, affecting how good they can recruit, et cetera, et cetera. So that's going to be something we're going to have to follow and see how it affects the sport for like uh, years to come. But, you know, that is is, a, is an interesting thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And then also what Malcolm said, what I think is maybe the most interesting as, as a casual fan per se uh, is I want to see those out-of-conference matchups so we know how we can pick the top four. You know, the SEC now is just going to beat each other up. Yeah. But in the past, if the SEC team plays another big-time team, now you can gauge like, oh, they may have got beaten up by mm-hmm. Georgia and Bama and LSU, but they could stand up to the top team in another conference. So that gives them a better chance of sneaking into the top four. I so, think one thing that kind of throws a monkey wrench just to, you know, to cut in here right fast is that the, you know, the SEC, by setting up a 10-game in-conference schedule, mm-hmm. um, you know, originally every SEC team's schedule would have eight conference games on it. And so yep. what they now have to do, and we don't know what this is going to be, is that each team now has to find two more conference opponents mm-hmm. um, to tack on to the schedule, right? And so, like, um, yeah. Alabama was not on the schedule to play Florida this year. And yeah. now it very much looks like Florida is going to have to go and play Alabama. Two um, top contenders, so, yeah. Like, I mean, it really it's just set up. Throat, it, comes, set it comes up. this weird, you know, kind of like food process. Of, oh, yeah. uh, in conference games. And I think it's very interesting because like you were talking about in the SEC, Jim, you know, for a team like South Carolina, you play everyone in the East. It, it's a mm-hmm. tradition yearly. And then you, you'll you either play, you know, Arkansas and Ole Miss or Missouri and A&M or Alabama and nice. LSU or all, you know, it's two teams out West typically, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to have it where you're playing four teams, like the, the, I feel like the division visional breakdown for some of these conferences is going to be heavily skewed where you're going to see the East just so battered in the SEC because the West is, you know, just on par being better year in and year out that it could greatly affect the teams that you typically would see kind of be in the race for this college uh, football playoff format. But also with the small colleges issue, I think it's also interesting to look at uh, the difference of the funds that, you know, state colleges are going to get in particularly poorer states, i.e. South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi, you know, so on and so forth. And those small private colleges that still have teams, but are going to have their funding, you know, relief packages really not come in for this. You might see, you know, 10, 15 percent of college football teams fold by the end of this year in terms of Mm -hmm. smaller colleges not able to play. And that's not even talking about in the uh what is it now it's not the 2a and 3a it's the sub bowl division i believe it's called or whatever it is you know what's going to happen to those schools we we're not even getting into that but you know you have a multi-layered effect where i feel like it's almost like college football's like the banks and the bailout where you're just going to see the biggest and strongest make it through and everything else kind of be gobbled
crumpled up by the system in terms of, uh, you know, financial woes. So, I mean, I mean that's, absolutely. That's a, that's a really great point. Like among, okay, if we want to say, if we want to say that, if we want to say the number of college football teams, that is to say the number of teams that play mm-hmm. football under the banner of some college, be it Alabama or, you know, George Mason, yeah. there are over 1,100 college football programs in the United States. Only 132 of them play in the highest echelon of what we today, you know, call the college football playoffs. So that mm-hmm. technically only 132 are eligible for the college football playoff, but that at the same time, not really 132 schools are eligible for the college football playoff. Exactly. It's more limited to, you know, yeah. the champions of the Big Ten Early. and the SEC. You and know, how many um, do you see on TV? Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, these lesser matchups, lesser, these matchups between larger schools and Mm -hmm. smaller schools are, um, you know, as you all point out, they are financially very important for places like, you know, James Madison. Yeah. Like James James Madison has won what, like 20 of the last 30 FCS titles, uh, which actually does play a real tournament bracket style playoff, not whatever. And have been for quite some time now. Yeah. So go Deeks. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but yeah, you can. If I was a more clever mathematician, I could draw up some cool graph. But it literally trickles down. Like you know, mm-hmm. these big schools have these networks at hand. These big schools have these mm-hmm. multiple boosters, um, yep. so they can survive without live fans too. Mm-hmm. So like these little schools, football may bring in the most money for that school in the sports program. But if they can't have fans, I don't know where that money's coming from because it's also the most expensive sport to run. There's fifty plus players on every team some scholarships some not now if you well, lose like D3, money you're not allowed to have an athletic scholarship that's yep. true um so yeah that's literally all they have is you know right. maybe a, a nice alumni donation for helmets or some shit but you know <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah like i'm not gonna be surprised if football programs and these kids that committed to colleges are just crushed for a year or two or three depending on what happens you know and it's it's sad for those guys who mm-hmm. aren't even playing necessarily for professional aspirations they're just playing because they love it and now like they might not even be able to do that so we'll see what happens but it's 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 looking like pretty bleak as far as mm-hmm. those small schools go and it's not fair but you know nothing is really fair at this well, point but uh mm-hmm. well we also <laughs> have to we also have to bring up the fact that, you know, one of the most important group of small schools are HBCUs that are going to be affected heavily. SWAC, MIAC, all of that. It's going to be affected greatly by... Just like COVID, right? mm -hmm, By the... really representative of that. Yeah. Well, I think think the SWAC has already decided to move their football season to the spring, you know? And so... um, Not having that money in, like you said, it's not a guarantee on that money that they normally get in. Well, let's take SC State, for instance, who has had huge Mm -hmm. financial woes. They've had issues of corruption on the board of directors and embezzlement issues, and it's affected the students greatly. It's affected the funding of the college. It's affected the status of the college. You add on that the most popular thing to do at SC State, which is play football. SC State has football players in the NFL today one of which is Darius Leonard of the Indianapolis Colts, who was almost oh, NFL yeah. rookie, you know, defensive player of the year. And you got schools like Colts still out there. Too, exactly. 
but in the HBCU <laughs> realm, football is king. It's not basketball. Oh, yeah. It's not baseball. Football is the most historical thing that HBCUs have going for them in terms of sports and their major draw. It's that and various bands. ESPN, mm-hmm. ESPN televises the HBCU National Championship every year. Exactly. And it happens in the Georgia Dome. And they and televise the Bayou, the, the Bayou Classic. Exactly, Malcolm. And we've seen New Orleans. the growth and you know prosperity of African-American coaches through the HBCU ranks, which we wouldn't have seen, you know, proliferate into the NCAA. And you've seen so much history go through there from great players to great coaches and just, you know, a huge positive impact on the black community through the use of college football at HBCUs. But if you take that away, that is going to continue to compound the issues that they are currently facing financially in a large percentage of HBCUs, North Carolina A&T, you know, Florida A&M. You've got tons of schools out here. But Malcolm, how did you how do you feel about add on to what you're saying? Because when I talk to my dad about it and I say, "Eh, maybe if you lose these schools and everybody Mm kind of gravitates towards the bigger, more popular HBCUs, he's like, no, you're 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 lessening the flavor. You have different flavors like like um, sweetness. And Jerry Rice, Michael Strahan, mm-hmm. to Doug Williams, they, they all went to different HBCUs. Yep. Now, like if you limit that, then you're 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 not diversifying the the elite talent you could possibly get in that area. And that was an interesting perspective that I that I heard from my dad saying, like, you want those Mississippi Valley states, you want those 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 Akron's that you're gonna get your Tyreek Cohen, somebody who who wouldn't get a a shot anywhere else because of his height. But then he comes in, he plays for the Bears, and he's one of the most uh, prolific gadget players that you have. Or Darius so, Leonard at SC State right, right. with what he's Absolutely. doing in the modern Darius day. And, and, and that's something that needs to be said is the diversity, even amongst HBCUs, even on that level, the talent, the cream always rises to the top. Definitely. But you want that diversity because it's almost like a cultural exchange, in, in a sense. And um, I always want that diversity across the board, no matter what. I agree. You know, especially, you know, if we were to just like, if you want to take like, a specific example mm-hmm. is that, you know, like, you know, Florida A&M, for instance, yes. um, you know, the, like the football team is, is, is good. Uh, you know, they compete uh, in, in, you know, the slack and, and they'll show yep. up, but that I think one of the, you know, one of their most prideful cultural exchanges is yeah. their percussion line. Yeah. And the battle you know, of the, the bands. Like, you know, the culture and, and, and the music and the art that they're, you know, providing across this a massive land landscape of college mm-hmm. football, which permeates every aspect of American life, Truly. is that, you know, if if a pandemic's going to like bleed out some of these smaller schools, you know, from funding to to allow to support um, institutions like that. And I will call, you know, FAMU's, you know, um, game day band and institution um, is that, mm-hmm. you know, losing something like that. It's like, you know, keep college football weird uh, is, a, <laughs> exactly. is something that I live yes. by. Yes. And so, you know, to yes. try to, to try to funnel money 
upward out of some right. of these smaller places. Citadel is not going to play Clemson this year. Citadel is losing a million dollars because they're not playing Clemson this year. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, or not that, South Carolina. Not that I have any, you know, sort of like obsession with the culture. We're okay cafe, with not playing like Clemson, Citadel. Malcolm. <laughs> but, you know, um, but yeah, I think, that, you know, all, I think all of us are hopefully, you know, in agreement that is like, you know, these smaller schools and their contributions to mm-hmm. college football, like, please do not erase this stuff because it, that's what makes the sport so fun. Flavor. Well, all different flavors. Well, Jim, and that also leads us into the topic we were talking about before the show with the social justice aspect and you seeing players even opting out of coming back to college football because of this. So, you know, we've heard about the Pac-12 players uh, potentially having a boycott on the season that is that is in talks now, but hashtag really we are united. Exactly, that's really real. But really uh, real. lead us down how how we've been seeing kind of social awareness, social justice, and just kind of a you know new mindset of the younger generation take effect during this time of pandemic in college football. I mean, well, it's I mean it's oh. been really incredible. I think one thing um that you know predates this particular you know what happened this week especially among the Pac-12 players was that you know there were two major players from um Mississippi schools from Ole Miss and from Mississippi State mm-hmm. um Kellen Mond at Mississippi State said he was not going to play football mm-hmm. uh if uh they did not change the state flag which is a huge thing to stand yeah. up and say uh this you know as a Mississippi State player uh as a Mississippi high school recruit uh he's going he already has weathered you know so much racist backlash and then they eventually mm-hmm. changed the goddamn flag and then um you know earlier in the week uh the sec uh you know commissioner's office which means basically a bunch of white dudes wearing suits uh, <laughs> held a zoom yeah. call with a number of sec players mm-hmm. uh and muhammad uh, sanogo who is a linebacker who plays for all miss had some serious questions about players health and how they were going to protect players health and basically he just got a bunch of very vague talking points that he did not feel in any way, uh, you know, like satisfied his mm-hmm. very real concerns about what was going to happen here. And so he went so far as to actually talk to the press and say that this is not right. So, okay, we can shoot that forward then by about seven days and look at these Pac-12 players who have, this is a really fascinating and amazing thing is that mm-hmm. these Pac-12 players, you know, from all the way from Washington state, all the way down to Arizona state and beyond is that they've sort of banded together, um, you know, initially to address concerns <laughs> about player safety. Uh, but then beneath that, and I think more importantly, is that they want to have social justice issues, especially racism in the U.S., be, you know, front and center in terms of these players' protests over, you know, what is a very bad thing in the U.S. And I think that it's no coincidence that it would be the left coast players that would actually be able to, you know, pull this off. You're not going oh, yeah. to see this among SEC players who yeah. majority are black mm-hmm. and who are like Meho and Sanagu and, and, and Kellerman who are uh, aware of these social justice issues oh, yeah. that in the Pac-12, I think that there's a bit more forward thinking on the left coast that, you know, they felt perhaps more empowered or safer maybe in, you know, kind of coming out and like making this public statement. Um, but that I guess my, you know, my question to you 
is this going to work? Or what would happen if an entire major five conference, if the players in a major five conference just decided to say up and fuck you, we are not going to do this, not under the conditions that you're providing us right now. I think it is going to work. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's finally the, the power has switched a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, now that these players are realizing they need us, you know, and, but at the same time, they need us in a way that we agree to. So I think it will work, uh, especially without the fans and everything. And like, maybe like all the attention is focused on the field. Like these players are standing up and finally, I think the, uh, the Pac-12, especially, like you said, I think is is more willing to maybe um, cooperate. But once if, if they establish the president out west, I think it trickle back east to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the SEC and other conferences. But, yeah, I mean, finally, if there was any fear uh, in standing up, I think um, it's time that everyone's going to act and band together. And finally, the powers that be that may or may not be evil or selfish will have to comply or else they lose almost everything. So that's yeah. what I see. And I hope it, and I hope it works for sure. Uh, Malcolm, uh, as the Pac-12 expert, uh, weigh in on the same question as. Uh, Jim just delivered to me. Absolutely. Um, it goes a little bit on older families, I would say, or older boosters. I mean, uh, Pat and I had a similar conversation, but it kind of like alludes and kind of trickles over here on this, where like SEC, that mentality, that environment, the families that support the programs, so on and so forth, a little bit older families. And uh, just just to be honest, just well-rooted in uh, overt, a little bit more overt racist practices. Yeah. As you have like universities that are in the Pac-12, like Cal, UC Berkeley, right? And uh, Stanford that have always been progressive, but in particular with UC Berkeley, where you have the home of the Black Panthers. So yep. that that um, civil rights mentality is already like well ingrained. And and mm-hmm. not to mention, like, hey, I, just speaking to myself, you know, you feel a little bit more comfortable being Black and being able to navigate through certain areas um, out West than you do down South. It's just, just to be real about it. Um, but to answer the question, is it going to happen? I think the way that the the conferences are fragmented certain conferences it will and some conferences Mm -hmm. won't it's weird because like you know you have certain conferences that are seem more unified and then you have down in sec where you have certain universities speaking out but then other universities not you know so um i would like to see a little bit more unification but i do like your ideology of if it happens here over the west it's only a matter of time for it to get over to the east and to the south to the point where it's no more yeah but um it's it comes down to money man it comes down to a money thing you gotta have to pay these people to put their literally put their lives on the line to go out there but mm-hmm. once again you got those tiers you have higher universities and people mm-hmm. on tv that are gonna get paid more but then you got like the smaller universities that don't have anything that are gonna get paid less so um and that's weird to say because i don't want to put the value of life at a different number you know because each person definitely does matter for sure yeah but um but um i, I do like that people are finally grouping up and speaking up i mean you know it's about damn time so i think it's um, the biggest sports yeah. movement we we haven't been talking about and i think it's one of the most revolutionary things we've seen in the face of sports uh since really 
the kind of revolution of civil rights protesters in the 60s, if this could result in kind of a changing of the status quo by these players sitting out, I think that would be ultimately great for the sport. And we have seen, like Jim talking about the left coast, we have seen California say that they are going to attempt to pay players in the future right. uh, through I legislation. I and I don't see SEC playing. Yeah, I don't see that. And it's weird because SEC makes easily probably 10 times more, which oh, is yeah. crazy. Far so yeah. That's the other one that I But I, I think like, you I were very, paid, but not. I think you were very right, Malcolm, in talking about the kind of trickle over effect that you have in terms of systems from <laughs> the West kind of being adopted in the East Coast of the U.S. because the East Coast and the South is typically more conservative than what you see out West. I mean, you know, that's just that's something outside of college sports that we have to deal with in terms of ideology and, you know, kind of the tradition of things in certain societies uh, that prevent people from rising up in two different echelons of society. But I think on the college football standard, uh, definitely the players boycotting in the West Coast, I think you can see more of that, like Jim was talking about with the players from Mississippi and Mississippi State speaking out and having That's a scary uh, thing. You know, you can definitely see something. If players on Clemson came out and did not stand with Dabo Sweeney, or if someone from Clemson's team kneeled during the national anthem, if we do to get to college football, you know, I don't think that Dabo can come out and sit the player the next game and not have a huge backlash against his, you know, old God just loves me so much and his weird ass BS right. and khakis. I hate his khakis. <laughs> but I, I feel like I feel like one thing we've been sort of just kind of like hovering around and not really mm-hmm. you know have, have dug into is the you know if we lay what's happening now at you know right now with players threatening to sit out um or not I'm not gonna say threatening uh players considering sitting out for you know very real reasons over and against the integration of college football where you know Bear Bryant you know gets so much praise for um mm-hmm. you know bringing the first black player to Alabama as a coach. Like he only did that because he recognized he the fact he got yeah, fucked he got up. He lost. You know? Tell the truth. Yeah. And he so, lost like, to the and, north. And that's, and that's such a callous and cynical way to think about it, that that was the callousness and the cynicism that, you know, forced, forced, uh, in quotes, Bear mm-hmm. Bryant to integrate Alabama football. The same thing that happened at University of Mississippi. It had the same thing that happened at any current SEC school. And so, you know, uh, I think especially black players asserting their humanity and their agency and their personhood. Um, this is, it, it should be inspiring if we don't have a college football season, or at least if the Pac-12 decides this, you know, that they won't have one because the players are going to boycott it. Power to them, um, all yeah. of them. Uh, you know, like it's just, this is something that has become, it's it's reached critical mass. Um, it reached critical mass in Ferguson. It reached critical mass uh, months ago uh, after George Floyd. Oh, I mean, this is, the I mean, world. you know, this is, um, this is a very real concern on on the players part and i absolutely you know agree with whatever decision they they decide to make no definitely i mean what's up malcolm i was gonna say like as we transition though it's like why are we only seeing the athlete the student athlete i don't even want to say player but the student athlete speaking up and we're not hearing from as many coaches (laughs) speaking up yeah jim take us into that one like you know direct that to y'all i'm sure doc 
Dr. Jim can uh, enlighten us a little bit on that starting off. Well, um, in, you know, in returning to the, to the PAC 12 uh, and these, you know, conference calls that players have been having with um, again, uh, white guys in suits uh, mm-hmm. who run the PAC 12. Um, it was that uh, a player at Washington state still felt very dissatisfied with how the conference uh, white guys in suits were going to address not only player safety um, amid COVID, but also uh, racial injustice in the country. You know, he's, uh, you can imagine, right. Is that this player is sitting here watching the NBA, the WNBA uh, MLB and these, you know, outward displays of um, support for black lives matter. And so how can he or his teammates also engage in this form of um, publicity, uh, not protest, because they're not protesting. They are raising awareness, I think is probably the best way to put it. And so his coach, uh, that he posted a, you know, a conversation about it, his coach cautioned him, quote, against, you know, kind of putting these issues front and center in terms of his decision to play football this, you know, this, this coming fall. And so if you've got a coach like that, or if you have a coach like um, Gary Patterson, say, at TCU, who was credibly accused of yes. using the N-word twice yes. in conversations times. with players, or if you have um, an instance like at Colorado State where uh, medical staff were discouraging players from reporting mm-hmm. COVID symptoms and they were discouraging, um, you know, other, mo- you know, not just players, but also people among the staff from trying to, like, keep this information in-house and not re- being reported, at, you know, out to, say, I don't know, the CDC um, or the press or anything like this kind of like, exactly like this cagey sort of behavior on the part of the higher ups within each, you know, club is, is starting to get very, very shady um, to the point that, you know, every call, if you are a college football coach, you are somehow a psychopath. Like that is a prerequisite to to, like to hold the job, right? Mm -hmm. Is that you have to be in charge of every single like minutia of the day that's happening with all 83 of your players not to mention like any of your staff and the strength and, and whatnot and you're you're the boss but you have like 50 bosses like yeah. whether exactly. that be upper ups or boosters or people that you're trying to recruit like you have like yeah like so much going on i would hate to be a college football coach it's like and We're especially you know at you a also big make SEC school, you also make like 10 times what any of the right guys that's what i'm saying more than any public person in the state, you are either the basketball coach or the football coach is the most highest paid person. Yeah, as yeah, part of public, you know, and that's crazy. And so, like to not you know, speak for, up, but you're the most paid. Like, what is to that? Have these, yeah. To have these guys just completely, you know, I'm sorry for the pun, but like fumble the ball on very real issues that affect your players, who that you're, you know, you're you're recruiting out of uh, L.A. Um, that you're recruiting out of Montgomery, Alabama. Like this is this is something that they have grown up with and they have felt and spent part of their, you know, elementary, middle and high school education. How are you going to deny that that is somehow their lived experience? I, um, it's just, it's something that is really like confounding to me, I guess. And I'm more interested in like, you know, if you were a, an athlete in this situation, um, and you know, like Malcolm, I'll start with you, but like, if you were put into the situation that you had kind of this impossible Sophie's choice to make about playing, over and again 
against, you know, not playing and not being enrolled because you're going to lose your scholarship. Like what decision are you going to make? What's going to inform, you know, just your basic humanity here? Oh, absolutely. If I was a player now, it would be all in on unionizing and all in on having our entertainers or our wealthy people of color and allies. That means anybody in the media industry, anybody who's a writer, um, anybody who loves the sport and the game and wants it to stay, wants it to continue growing. Um, you need to back us and unionize us because without us, there is no product on the field. Mm -hmm. And I would just be so doggedly determined on that. Um, and if I was a player as well, like if ain't, if there's no vaccine, I ain't playing. That, that's just it. And that would just be me. I, I, I wouldn't want to stop somebody else from playing, especially in their mm -hmm. senior year. If they're going pro, like definitely put the product out on the field. God bless you. But I would just like to have a vaccine. Therefore, there is some sense of security. Well, because mm -hmm. as of right now, there is none. Mm -hmm. Well, that that's really interesting. You bring that up, Malcolm, because you had uh, what Jim was talking about with the coach from Washington State state uh getting into it with uh one of his players cassidy mm -hmm. woods the coach is nick rolovich but uh cassidy woods was opting out of the season he has sickle cell anemia and was joining the we're united movement on twitter and was choosing to opt out but the the coach the audio has been released from his conversation the coach said okay so that's going to be that's going to be an issue if you align with them as far as future stuff because the coach COVID stuff is one thing, but um, joining this group is going to put you on uh, on uh, that's obviously, you know, you get to keep your scholarship this year, but it it's going to be different. You know, if you if you say I'm opting out because of COVID and health and safety, I'm good. But this group is going to change, uh, I guess, how things go in the future for everybody, at least at our school. Um, Just so Come out and say it, man. Um, so just think like, about it. So so just think about that. If it's not getting paid and not parentheses and audible about racial justice and that stuff, then it's probably it's there's two sides. There's two sides here. I'm good with sickle cell and the COVID, but this this group is going to be at a different level as far as we how we're kind of going to move forward in the future so i mean jim said it there just say what you're gonna say i mean but that's the real just... question he doesn't uh, hypocrisy real quick the hypocrisy mm -hmm. of that statement is he's not even including mental health no. as part of health yep no yeah. Go, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, it, it's just insane because that, you know, that's his first job or his first season at his new job. Yeah. He was just the coach of Hawaii and he's out here bringing in this whirlwind of controversy. And it's almost like, you know, he can't keep his foot out of his mouth. And it's just something that I see a lot of people in the college sports world in positions of power continue to do where they try to have some subversion of holding down players' rights to express themselves through rules and regulations of tradition. And I think it's a load of bullshit. And I think it's something that hopefully we can see change in this. And hopefully we can see more uh, kind of socially knowledgeable coaches come to the forefront in college football 
and we can see some more change on that aspect because like Jim said, you know, the only reason we really saw Alabama uh, seg- desegregate their team was because they kept getting whipped by Northern teams that had black players at Ohio State and out in USC in the West. So it sometimes, you know, we see change come out of these very trying times. Sometimes we see the status quo remain the same. All we can hope for is that the players will get their just due of power, representation, and self-expression that they deserve in college football. Because they are just teenagers. These are these are young teenagers that are not fully incorporated into the real world in terms of understanding every aspect of business. They don't have a fucking degree in economics and so on and so forth. They're not set. This isn't like LeBron James or someone. This is someone you went to fucking high school with and graduated for the coach, though. But that's my point is that is what makes it so much worse is this coach is supposed to be a father figure and he's just lying to you. The white guy in the suit. Exactly, Malcolm. But I mean, like like they're they're also I think this is important to to Mm -hmm. note is that, you know, these players are also, um, you know, trying to, you know, uh, learn adulthood uh, at the same time as that, you know, they're trying to carry on uh, eight hour practices a day. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, uh, work on, you know, whatever that looks like and possibly work a job. Right. You know, and so it's hard not to go through that experience uh, as a player, as somebody like, you know, you and me who are on the lower end of the income scale and, and not recognize the inequalities that exist like in a very systematic, you know, in a systemic way mm-hmm. in this sport, in this market. And college football is a market. Oh, it definitely is. But speaking of that market, that'll lead us to our final topic of the show. There is a big question on whether or not the college football season is going to start. But let's real quickly go into the future of college football. So, yeah, we might not have a show at that point. Um, no, I'm talking about later on. OK, we yes, we, we definitely will have a show. <laughs> there might be a nuclear fallout, Malcolm. Shit's going down. But um, yeah, we'll do cockroaches. Yeah, we'll have Beirut. cockroaches for us. But uh, I repeat, we're not in Beirut. But so. Uh, so if college football does proceed in the inevitable college football playoffs come about, do you see there actually being a playoff this year, Dr. Jim? And if so, what would it look like in this, you know, mutated system of non-conference of conference only play? Uh, For what I've observed just from, you know, uh, the handful of years that I spent writing uh, about it, I think that the NCAA is going to try to white knuckle themselves Mm -hmm. through a season, a truncated season Mm -hmm. as best they can. Um, I also think uh, for better or worse that they will try to put together a four team college football uh, playoff bracket um, uh, as a sort of, you know, sub point. I think that the whoever the Pac-12 team is, they will not be included in the college football playoff bracket (laughs) Um, and that they will play something like a CFP bracket. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my main and only reasoning behind that is that the NCAA from contracts they've signed with ESPN stands to make millions of dollars. I tell 
televising college football playoff bracket games. Mm -hmm. And so we are going to have then what the ACC is going to play their games over here. The SEC will play their games down here, Big 12, Big 10. And so at the end of the day or at the end of the season or whatever, we're going to have, you know, four teams that may or may not be the best four teams because it will be impossible to, um, you know, uh, kind of like regulate that. Uh, And so we're going to have a highly contested national champion uh, that even the BCS could not even imagine uh, as it being such a a weird and fucked up sort of system. That's saying a lot. (laughs) Like, you know, of all of the the arcane just voodoo that goes into uh, rankings and the CFP uh, bracket system generally, this is going to be an enormous asterisk. So you're saying that we should just have the AP pick the champion again like we did in the 30s and just have it where we have five champions in one year because Sporting News picked the Bulldogs, the AP picked Notre Dame, some small town paper picked the Citadel. I'm saying that we should not have a college football season at all. Oh, I agree with you 100%, Jim. I agree (laughs) with you. That's that's a whole other thing. That that is not the topic of the show. We all agree that should not happen. There shouldn't be a college football season. But in this hypothetical. hypothetical, (laughs) The train has left the station already, you know? It's true. Whether we like it or not. Like, hey, don't. But it's going. And I just got from my ASU insider girlfriend... Um, telling me that ASU versus U of A is going to, or Arizona State University versus University of Arizona is technically scheduled the first game. So of oh, like all weird. of them playing, although that's they're not weird. in a conference. I don't know what that means, Yeah, but I just got that information. So apparently they've already signed their contracts and those players are going to play. Well, Tiny, do you think that there's going to be a playoff? And if so, what's it going to look like? Do I think there's going to be? Um, yeah. Yeah, they're going to try as hard as they can to make that <laughs> shit happen. Yeah. And like CBS might, CBS and ABC might build a fucking stadium for it to take place. And like that's, that's how much is on the line. Like, like, like Jim said, like they're going to want it so bad. And unless it literally just becomes a epidemic within the sport, I do think it will happen. And I'm not mm-hmm. supporting that, but it's, there's so much on the line. And, um, you know, even as a selfish sports fan, I don't want it to happen either. But nah. it, I think it will happen. Yes. Um, what, and barring a very dangerous situation where the like another wave out, outside of the sport influences heavy enough to just be like, yo, you can't do this. Yeah. So that's that's how I see it. And also, like Jim said, uh, a Pac-12 team is not going to make it. Um, no way. It's <laughs> hey, boxed out. But every yeah, time. it's going to be. They, they be play too late at night. You know. No. Yeah, no sports writers. And they're going to try to make it happen. And the people that are making the money are going to really want to try to make it happen. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I think uh, I think that definitely um, I I just don't see schools in general getting to that point that deep in in the year where you could have a playoff, uh, both on the college and the high school level. That's a different thing. I just think that, you know, if there was a college football playoff this year, I think it almost be better to go back to the BCS format or like I was joking and just have a newspaper picket. Just, you know, they, you just need to let them 
play the fucking season, don't have a playoff, don't have a championship game. No one plays for it and just award somebody something because the season's meaningless anyways. The championship would be the equivalent of a participation trophy at this point in time. And I think it's a frivolous attempt for colleges to make dollars that they already have coming in from state and local governments in terms of, you know, the state colleges and alumni and private colleges and the real people we need to focus on are the people that are at risk to lose the most which are smaller colleges and institutions that are very select in this country and hbcus but uh silver line real quick silver lining um to these giant conferences trying mm-hmm. to put together a playoff is i think about the players and i want these these kids that have worked their entire lives more or less to, mm-hmm. to get that exposure of being at a big yep. school to at least be seen mm-hmm. um, and competing against other good competition. So silver lining, I don't think they should play. I've made that clear, but I, will, I the one thing I want is maybe these kids to like get the look they deserve for mm-hmm. becoming maybe a professional football player in a few years. You know, I, I really mm-hmm. feel for those guys yeah. and can't imagine going to college in that era as a student or an athlete and especially as a student athlete. It's great. Definitely. Malcolm, did you have any final thoughts? Just the blueprint is right in front of us with the NBA. Let's do it like this. The have them go to school, do all of their schoolwork, right? Then go to the location where they're having this bubble and then teams can play. Yeah. I I, I, I that's the only thing I can think of yeah. is that we separate it because there's no way to get everybody there. Somebody is going to come in that's going to have um the illness or be asymptomatic and then it's going to continue that way. But um the only formula I'm seeing that actually I can see with my eyes that's mm-hmm. working is in the NBA but um, I don't know what information they are suppressing which is a whole different story. But, well, it's, um, it's just a much smaller, right. it's this much smaller area of play. Uh, right. The baseball field, you know, is gigantic. A football field right. is gigantic. An NBA court's not that big. And to create an NBA court on a sound stage is doable. And that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't create right. a football field on a sound, field stage. On a sound stage. You that's can't just create a football thing. field anywhere. <laughs> like you have to I mean one one kind of absurd thing I saw was you know that um, I think it was after maybe the SEC Mm -hmm. uh, announced you know how they were going to you know truncate their schedule was that the NCAA on top of that released some guidelines about you know like on field behavior um, so that you know the NCAA is going to expand the sideline space for each team Mm -hmm. from you know normally they have to be in between the 25 yard line of of each side of the field. And so they're going to expand it to to the 15. Furthermore, you know, the captains that go out there, you know, for the coin flip, they're only going to allow one captain to Mm -hmm. go out there instead of, you know, three or four, which is kind of the normal for a normal NCAA season. But it's like, okay, if you're going to institute these guidelines for social distancing, like, do you understand what happens after the coin flip? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's no way. I mean, the kids is crazy outside of college football. We literally had a doctor in the NFL, not a like football doctor, but a doctor that plays in the NFL for the Kansas yeah, City a guy Chiefs. With DR uh, in front yeah, of his he he literally said it's not going to happen. He said <laughs> when when a doctor that plays in your sport tells you, 
hey man, I don't think this is a good idea. Maybe you should listen to him, but you know, we see what TV contracts are doing. We've talked about this through and through on the show. We've had many deep discussions about who's this sports season is really benefiting. We all agree it is a good kind of, you know, escape from, you know, not necessarily reality because it's all around us, but an escape from the moment of just kind of the existential dread of the virus that's impacting us in our daily lives and, you know, our family situations, things like that. But it's a bit of entertainment. But, you know, it, it just comes at now. Now we're coming to the point of where does the line get drawn? Is amateur athleticism something that we truly need in the age of COVID or should we keep it to the professional aspect only? And I think only time will tell in that. But uh, we're going to dive deeper into the world of college football in future episodes. Uh, We've got a ton on tap in terms of, you know, baseball, hockey, football, uh, basketball, everything in the world. Potentially golf. Tiny's got. Well, that's that's off topic. We're not going to die. That's a tiny lane. Tiger is playing with Jordan. Don't don't you give away the off topic. Yet, Malcolm, we're going to do that next week. We don't have time for the off topic tonight, but we will get to it in our next episode. Uh, but like I said, we're going to discuss all of these big events coming up uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to extend the show to two times a week. So you're going to get to hear us twice as much, uh, whether you like it or not. But uh, <laughs> we hope so. All five of our estimated audience out there. But <laughs> we're over 200, actually. That, Facebook. Yeah, that, that those numbers are juke. Don't worry about that. Numbers We're popular in Russia. But uh, always check out uh, Anchor FM for all our shows, SoundCloud, Facebook, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, all under The Sports The Show. You can find all of our stuff there. Make sure to like and subscribe and follow us uh, for all of our thoughts on all of things sports related uh but as always for the sports show i am dj pat nasty and i'm here with tiny and dr jim and also malcolm marzette and we'll catch you guys next week on the sports the show a lot of cats didn't see this one coming a lot of cats not gonna understand Never saw the path that we walked. But you run that joint you did on the radio that night. Oh. Let people know. Do this one for the interviews. All right. Do it for the people. Yo, my first verse from 90 to 94 Mostly peeping cat styles out and hitting the floor A little bit In 91, that's when we got down Different sides of town The bus, I made rounds I was involved in graffiti heavily My peoples were self-towed with freck R.I.P At night I heard beats next door by QD3 Inspiration destined EV, producer MC Now at this point, my face wasn't known and unfamiliar And when you look how I do, most cats won't say they feel ya So I was mostly humbled by rejection but in my heart, I knew my shit would always pass inspection Correction, travel east and hit the intersection Hip-hop shot to rock blow the spot with Hex and Pen 1 Also, I was style a cat who worked there I said I wanna bust first, he said It's all fair I went, he went, you can't beat him, join him Said as a team in the game, we'll leave him man. 
He agreed, so we did 294 till we had to change our name from the one we had before. Now at this point, we were five years in the making. Previously vain, graffitied, oriented, breaking. From cops and shop owners, rack and painters, stealing sketchbooks. Mad vinyl, designs of corridors. Then it was like mics, mixers, tracks, and greenbacks. Kingston 12 gear and equipment on racks. Imagery battle him. What up to Kendall Swift and Redman? And everyone who helped bounce checks were not my plan. Sorry. Business and friends, this was my first introduction. How foul it is when it comes to this biz and music. 1995 was mad confusing. Six it cleared up, independent geared up. Peace to Ben Farai and Alchemist, third degree type heat. Brought on Babu to complete the list. Distant doors, more rare but on tours. The territories come, blunts burn on dance floors. Since 98, shit's been looking more bright. Work the angles round the globe for main events at night. 99 approach, millennium, the platform will drop. Evidence, our science, Babu, the world is shot. Yeah, we sending this out to every obstacle that made us stronger. That's right. Uh-huh. 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 Sending us out to the poison that made the antidote. <laughs> Dilating wild styles. Evidence. It's all you need to know. Years in the making. Back. Going on. Ten years uh-huh. in the making. Years in the making. How many? Ten. Almost ten years in the making. Kick the cut so I get with this and just chill with that. But don't sleep on the deep tide. 
Cause it's forcing the lot Time to start extorting the blocks It's the portion of the pot Off the top of my portion of my yacht Something for the cops to keep them blind So we can crime a peace of mind Turn the key and shine without being down Time to expand New York and Chicago Colorado You know my motto Clock G's and Rockies like Drago Pablo Escobar and John Perry Aaron Biking out the bar and John Juan And every woman Sean Dornan Long, long and them down Like Sean Michael does them I'm like a cycle fucking Sucking the butt like liposuction Up and down with the tongue twister Come on sister, big puns Mr. Cock and squeeze like a contester Crush your sister's backs with the demon snap Hit you from the back, close your eyes, relax Let me feed the cat Living fat, true Mac Niggas was catching feelings Dealing with a small attack I just wasn't as mass appealing I started feeling funny Niggas coming short with money I called my son, he told me Chill, it be over with 20 Granny, what's the deal? Them niggas wanna kill me He said it's real, they jealous And tired to see me really silly I'm on the claim Niggas throwing shit in the game Gave my wife some pictures With me and bitches running the train It's like a dream I called my team and started flipping Locked the clip and started lifting Niggas off the ground like a magician I skipped town, be back around When things quiet down I lost it all for now But it'll take more to Hold me down Top of the world, man <laughs> Top of the world Yo, this is the bad time Boomerang, bring it all back Flashback, live and prosper Eat well and get fat I was Pop Dula Pop Dula to the masses I miss the E-classes Rockin' game of death classes Rock bottom struckin' through my world off his axis Boomerang, man, it come back like on trap Storm like the red coast Do anything on my path First you shine like sterling Then you broke like brick and burn. Why should I slip my wrist? Go for it all or call it quits Picture me taking my life Leaving my wife and my daughter shit Wish I could slip back and switch the memories Lift the felonies from my record I respected my enemies The back the Kennedys above the law Fuck them all, I'm coming for the rich Steven Even if I wasn't poor I seen it all like I said before The streets are from in the war And the beast or the predators I said it all first and be the primary source Of course I bury any adversary trying to floss Just because no reason I'm even lost in the source Seeing off like we off just for being soft I'm being horse like a slave Getting minimum wage Filling the gauge from page These are the last days Cash pays and rules The root of all evil Shooting amigos for looting Perico polluting our people Moving kilos like it's all good Through every ghetto I ain't judging but bugging how we for so many levels, the devil's got us by the balls. That's why the law allows the drugs to overflow. Know me going to buy it all. It's time to call the world order. Will every girl's your daughter and priceless as ices and pearls fresh out the water? I'm going to get mine, either from crime or through the Bible. Whichever way you better pay, I'm feeling suicidal. This is the bad time. Boomerang, bring it all back. Flashback, live impossible. Eat well and get fat. I was Pop Dula. Pop Dula to the masses. I miss the E classes. Rock a game of death classes. Rock bottom struck through my world off his axis. Boomerang. Planet come back like on trap Storm like the red coast Do anything on my path First you shine like Sterling Then you broke like brick and Berlin Visualize it like 
like a coke bust Vivid enough to make living this a must Plus it's real For a body. Now it's time to stash the guns. They probably got the phones tapped, so I won't speak long. Give me a hot second, and I'ma put you on. It's all messed up, somebody snitching on the crew. And word is on the street is they got pictures of you. Homicide came to the crib last night, six deep. Asking all your whereabouts and where you sleep. They said they just wanna question you. But me and you know that once they catch you, all they do is just arrest you, then arraign you, hang you. I don't think so. It's a good thing you bounce for now, just stay low. Once in the blue, I check to see how you're doing. I know you need loot, so I send it to Western Union. They probably knock down the door in the middle of the night, sometimes around four. Hoping 
to find who they looking for, what they want to see. All they gonna find is mad and be bags of weed. But worse, son, you got the projects hiding in hell. Harder for brothers to get they dug on, but oh well, son, they know too much. Even the hood rat chicks. Oh, you heard who did what? No, I don't know this shit, so stop asking. And I know I'm not going crazy from windows. I see lights flashing, and maybe somebody's taking pictures. You know who that be? Police lovers. And neighborhood snitches, they put up a teeth to everybody pointing fingers and lying. Hey yo son, the tempest rising. From the cops with wings on your back, that snitch nigga. Gay police your location. We'll chop his body up at six degrees of separation. Killer, listen. Shit ain't the same without you at home. Phony niggas walk around trying to be your clone. They really fear you. When you was at home, it was pale. That's why they wanna see you either dead or in jail. By the time you hear this rhyme, you probably be locked up. Tried to hide somewhere along the lines your plan slipped out. Got caught up in a crime that you can't take back. Reminiscing how I used to pick you up in the act. Years ago when we was younger, seems the hood took us under very deep. Wondering who snitching got me losing lots of sleep at night. You know my mouth is tight. I never sang to the cops, cause that shit ain't right. Sometimes I stroll past the scene of the crime and backtrack. Damn, why the situation go down like that? It'll be a long time before the heat dies down. And a couple of years before we see you around. But till then, maintain and keep your story the same. The cops is grabbing wrong niggas looking for someone to blame. They harassing, struggling to find the truth. There's a chance the case to get thrown out, cause they ain't got no proof to say. Say you guilty, your fingerprints filthy, deliver Me the gun, I tie to a brick and throw it in the river Make sure it sinks to the bottom My small police stuck you out the projects, we got them But still, but still
It's all in me. me. That's the way it is, is where you gotta be. be. Indeed, as I the sort, I proceed and lead. Getting hotter than sacks of boom in my room at the Ramada. For tanks in your memory banks to fill up. I provide the static and scratch the match while you catch the vibe. Most can play hot post, but yo, that don't mean shit. Because my click can make a motherfucker sick. I flip, running through pork, coming to New York to mix. Bob Topper with the snares and kicks to fix. Prismatically, you got to be staticky. Magically, I appear. Spark a L and drink a beer with air smooth. Taking niggas loot with dice to shoot the roots. Poetic, courageously kinetic. Vagabonds, versatile and barriers. Trust rap styles of mine are blind. Pain is in the mind, so I'm finding five foot seven inches in height. My mission is strike mics and lightning types. Frightening like lightning. Fluorescent, incandescent, effervescently. I represent foreign objects and ill elements. Very relevant. Plus intelligently managing matter that's making tracks fatter Revolve around, saturn like rings and bring swings When I stings with bass, then distort up in your face like lace Busting your dreams like gaps with loaded magazines I'm on a rap scene, repelling fellas like a vaccine As I rise from under blunder and I'm not lyrically You get shot, get caught, so distort with talk for real It's the illest out the fire, short for Philadelphia at a clock Money making move faking, I isn't Niggas cannot run, I'm poetically exquisite Wicked with the visit while you're under I'm with up for the night, Malik B. Get on the mic, get on, get the, on mic, the mic like that, y'all. Yo. Hey, yo, I'm flowing. My part of the song, it's going, it's going, it's gone. <laughs> Just to carry words and hers like some cattle in the steeple. People, there's no equal or no sequel. So policies of equalities get abolished, demolished. Distortion of the status getting polished. Urges are splurge and words will just be merged together. Damn, it's quite clever. However, you never can sound alike. Lyrics don't be found alike. These troops who bees roots and soldier. Mellow by culture, rhythmatic vulture. Approach her with magnetic shit that's ultra. I make them see dangle like a bangle. Strangle from every angle. My lingo jingles and it dangles under kangles. Nah, them niggas don't want to tangle. Cause roots get loose, Negroes get juiced like a mango. To be particular, extracurricular for pleasure. Measure in any weather, value more than a treasure. Baby, you say you may be. They come in the flex. Now you wonder what's next. <laughs> Straight 
out of the metro, rhythm central. I'm innovative at the intro, cause I go slow mo, but never slow post, but never no joke. Dope, but never no coke. Spits the riddles like flim, loose with my lyrics like a double jointed limb. Twist and a bend, common episodes, past week modes. The monstrous bass beneath my pace be like Morse code. Slash beep, slash beep, scanners, zero into the systems in your deeps. I'm out there with cool keep and safety and Of my third seeing eye, but futuristic vision. I'm not a monk, loony nut kicks up on no mission. I get somewhere I fit in, cause life's too short. So you could all label me weirdo, but yo, I know it's talent. Explosive. 